Everybody, welcome back. It is the Razball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are back. Winter meetings have have been conducted. They are done with, and uh, I mean, there's enough news now, Greg. We finally have something to talk about on the baseball side. Yeah, the uh, the the biggest news I think that we have that I, at least that I am aware of is that Nomar Mazara signed with the Orioles. So. <laughs> I mean, we could probably talk about that for a good thirty-five minutes. You know, that is that's pretty huge news, Gray. I, I, you know, I, I think, uh, I think the people would really love to hear us talk about Nomo Mazara for forty-five minutes. I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't put it past think, us. Uh, yeah, no. Do you know? Uh, uh, this is a throwback to our, uh, our. Uh, I was going to say original podcast host, but I think Nick Capozzi was the original, and then JB followed him. <laughs> And one day, someone will follow you, Vita. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt about that. No, 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 There's no, no, a three-year no, lifespan no, on this job. No, no, no. You know, the, the contract you signed is for life. <laughs> no, I was going to say that um, Nomar Mazzara, we used to, I think JB used to call him a mezuzah, and, uh, and that's super Jewy. <laughs> Which is fine for me to say because I'm half Jewish. You know? It's totally a legitimate uh thing to say uh anyway yeah so um uh, welcome back to uh me <laughs> yeah and that's uh that's great albright by the way if you didn't know I, I forgot to give him the introduction i figure i guess i should be in the first uh first podcast of the 2023 season the fantasy master lothario the you know the co-owner of Razball, the man the myth the legend the, the man that you're here to hear from um and let's let's just go ahead and get into some of the, the news and we're going to start with Aaron Judge is back. He's going back to the Yankees. Uh, no surprise there, except for, you know, the reporters who were announcing that he wasn't going back there. Um, but then there's this news that comes out immediately after he signs his massive deal where apparently they were using different baseballs for him and maybe some of the other Yankees and some of the other some of the other storyline players out there. I don't know, maybe an Albert Pujols randomly hitting like eight home runs in the second half. When he hasn't done that in like twelve years, I mean, what are we, what are we doing with these baseball change things? The Goldilocks baseballs, uh, which by the way are called that because it's not too hard, not too soft. It's in the middle, uh, is where they came up with a name. Apparently, um, I thought it was a joke at first because it the, the count that it came from literally said parody in it. Um, but what are we doing here, Gray? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, is there anything? I mean, it's embarrassing. Other than that, like. <laughs> I mean, it's really frustrating, you know, like, I mean, we don't really have the platform to, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, get, get this out to the masses <laughs> to <laughs> like fix this issue, people, you know, yeah, like to fix this issue or like even, you know, this, uh, this report showed up in insider.com and honestly, I thought insider 
was uh, a program on ABC that talked about entertainment news. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the, the Insider, I, or or the movie with the the Michael Mann movie with <laughs> Russell Crowe. That I that mean, old was, ESPN package that nobody paid for. Yeah, yeah, the one that you had like one password that you passed around to all your friends. Yeah, like, honestly, yeah. everybody threw like fifty cents. I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't be. Uh, I shouldn't be shading the actual report uh, because I mean it's really good. It's excellent. I think everyone should read it. So basically, what it's saying at theinsider.com is that MLB, like you said, they use three different baseballs. So one baseball that they used was a. Uh, a dead ball, which is obvious because, you know, home runs were down dramatically last year. Uh, I was going through, you know, I'm already starting to write up my rankings, uh, which are available on our Patreon. Anyway, <laughs> plug, <laughs> plug aside, um, you know, and I was looking at certain guys and like you look at a guy like uh, Jorge Polanco and he lost like so much power and you kind of feel like guys like that kind of just lost the power because of the baseball. Like, nothing else, because, like, if you look at Polanco's uh, bad ball profile, and we'll go over this more in January when we talk about the rankings, but it's like nothing changed in his profile except for the baseball, probably. And it's hard to know exactly, but, you know, so, um, uh, whatchamacallit, so the the reporter, uh, Bradford William Davis, and... uh, a uh, astrophysicist, uh, Meredith Willis, um, Harvard educated, uh, they went and they took apart some baseballs. And what they found was the, the baseballs that were used at like uh, commemorative uh, baseballs. So baseballs that were used at like um, the All-Star Game or the Home Run Derby. Uh, those baseballs were a little bit more lively than other baseballs, uh, a.k.a. juiced. Um, And those baseballs were also found at Yankee Stadium. (laughs) Just (laughs) randomly. Like, what? Somebody chasing a home run record? I mean, this is basically like, you know, it's like, it's it's bad. Like, all the writers, uh, all the, um, like, baseball writers, they uh, they do their their scolding at like uh, you know Barry Bonds and A Rod and all these guys for uh, taking you know for cheating, but when the league cheats, it's like oh yeah no, nothing to see there guys no, no big no big deal. <laughs> also, which is kind of so Aaron Judge's home run record is already like you know <laughs> it's already in doubt. It's already got a. Uh, an asterisk. Um, by the way, it's Meredith Willis. Uh, it's Dr. Meredith Willis. I wonder if she uh, uses doctor when she's making reservations. Because <laughs> I would, I, I like that. I would, I do that sometimes. <laughs> anyway, um, so Aaron Judge's home run record has already got an asterisk. Um, and uh, also, which is possibly, because Aaron Judge had Yankee Stadium going for him. And he's also, I mean, he's seven feet tall, four inches, and 800 pounds of muscle. So, I mean, he was going to hit home runs kind of anyway. I wouldn't, I don't know how much, like, I would probably take a handful of home runs off of his home run record. I don't know if I'm, like, I'm not, like, halfing his record just because, you know, of this baseball situation. But what's a little bit more alarming for me, at least, is the baseball was also used 
in Texas for their 50th anniversary. So now I'm like questioning. Uh, and it also it came into play in May when Marcus Simeon did his turnaround and Corey Seager had his huge home run year. And I'm a little bit worried about Adolis Garcia now. <laughs> like I'm suddenly, I'm suddenly really questioning all those Rangers homers. It's like Jonah Heim. Uh, is he really a home <laughs> run hitter? I don't know, man. So uh, I think you know to to bring this back to uh, the winter meetings and uh, off season, you know, uh, the signings, which is really why we're here. I think Aaron Judge is probably still going to be fine. Like, if you look at Aaron Judge and you see his, like, previous numbers, he's still – he's, like – he's a 40-homer hitter, eight steals, 280-ish. You know, like, those numbers aren't going to dramatically change that much um, outside of, like, obviously, like an injury or something. So a 40-homer – Eight to twelve steals, two eighty ish hitter. That is still a top five overall guy. Like I'm not, I don't have a problem taking Aaron Judge. You know, uh, top five, and I think his land, you know, him signing again with the Yankees is probably in the end the best thing for his offensive numbers. So yeah, I'm I'm still fine with Aaron Judge, even though the 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 baseball uh, the baseball news about the baseballs is a little disconcerting and you know it's it really needs a deeper dive from real uh, from other reporters um you know (laughs) it needs it needs more (laughs) eyes on it but yeah iron judge i think is gonna be okay i don't know what's your thoughts yeah i mean as far as making any kind of adjustments for aaron judge in particular like I, i don't think there's anything to really say other than like this probably pulls maybe his projections back down to reasonable places. Like people shouldn't be projecting him to six hit 60 home runs again. That's unlikely to happen again. So it should be in that 40, 45 range. Um, so maybe it just kind of dials it back to where people are thinking about it in and maybe a more, you know, solid manner um, just in regards to where, where that number ends up. You know, in regards to where he finishes on the player radar, I don't know if, if I say those numbers are necessarily top five if he goes 280, 40. Um, the 16 stolen bases helped last year. I mean, obviously, 62 home runs is going to carry him regardless. But 16 stolen bases is way out of the norm for him as well. Maybe some of that holds up with the changes in the pitch clock and, the, and how all that's going to work. Um, but I wouldn't expect 62 or 16 again. I see him go anywhere from like one to five in drafts, and that's that's expected coming off the season he had. Uh, would I be surprised if any number of guys finished above him that aren't necessarily speedsters either? No, I wouldn't. Like if Vlad did his twenty-one season again, um, if uh, you know, uh, crap, I'm losing coming up empty with names. But there's a number of power hitters that are hit for good average in the middle of lineups that Juan Soto, like those guys can put career years together and end up higher than Aaron judge. Um, which is yeah, why basically when you're at, when you're hitting 40 homers and stealing say five bags, you you're either a, you're a top player overall. If you get like 110 runs and 125 RBIs and a 300 average, those are, those are big counting stat numbers. Yeah. So you're going to be able to get like in the top five 
if you're only doing 40 homers and five steals, obviously it becomes easier if you're doing like 35 homers and 15 to 20 steals. Like things, you know, it's like when you're only doing five steals, you have to really give a lot of counting stats. Yeah. And I think in regards to the baseballs real quick before we move off of it, it's just the only thing that's that I'm worried about right now is which baseballs are we getting in 2023? Because, I mean, just based off the number of total home runs across the league, it, it's a factor. Like, we went from 2019, which was the exploding balls that would go out if you touched them, where <laughs> we were out at we, – we, we were over 6,700 home runs, Gray, in, in 2019. Last year, we were at 5,200. We lost 1,500 home runs. <laughs> Uh, from 2019 uh, to 2022 like and they're all and they were all lords guriel jr's home runs <laughs> oh i you know i i think honestly my biggest gripe with this whole baseball report is like that the baseball is different for an aaron judge uh, or for the yankees or uh ever, ever. for the rangers or for or for pool holes too obviously because it was a commemorative ball whenever they put in a commemorative ball like whenever they were like oh we have to make sure we can track this ball so the pool holes obviously pool holes wasn't really that good as he was in september <laughs> that's <laughs> obvious um but my biggest gripe is really that like the baseball isn't the same across the league like i want i would prefer the 2019 ball versus the 2022 ball uh the dead one at least but i would just really would like for the whole league to have the same ball that's that's really what all i'm asking is like one ball across the whole league whether it's the 19 ball or the 22 ball or the dead ball or the juice ball just give us one ball that's all right and, and you know what I, I multiple times in in baseball like in the last five years i thought that's what we were getting it was like all right we got one ball we're going ahead with this ball they're putting it in humidors like every ball is going to be the same and yet, here we are, like, we've we've gone through a different ball every year. We've gone through multiple balls within multiple years. Um, and no other sport is like this. I don't understand how Major League Baseball does not have a single baseball that is used everywhere. Like, it's absolutely absurd. Um, but that, let's... Also, the problem... Uh, sorry, not to go too far down this, even though we already have... <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, this all starts, this stemmed from when MLB bought Rawlings, uh, the maker of the baseball. And at that point is when, like, whatever management, whatever management uh, was the change at management or the change or MLB asked them to make the changes. It's obviously ever since that point when MLB bought Rawlings, the baseball just has, has changed. It, it's changed it, like yearly. And it's kind of obvious that it's like, you know, even though Rawlings was, no one was replacing Rawlings uh, more than likely. But at one point, there was like, you know, the uh, supply and demand of like, you know, Rawlings had to supply a good baseball. Otherwise, you know, baseball, uh, MLB could have looked elsewhere. But Rawlings now no longer has to, like Rawlings is owned by the league. So it's like the league does whatever the hell it wants to do. <laughs> it's like. I mean, it's like crazy that it doesn't like it's honestly, I mean, and also, all right, my last thing, <laughs> at least when Bud Selig was looking the other way, everyone was hitting 60 homers and it was fun. Now we got Rob Manfred saying, oh, there's nothing to see here. 
and people are hitting 12 homers. <laughs> it's like, it's bo- like, stop. Like, at least juice the ball. Uh, like, honestly, like, <laughs> it's not hard to figure out fans like home runs. Have you never been to a baseball game? When someone hits a home run, people cheer. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy making. This is really crazy making. We should move on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. One, one last point here, you know, cause I, I can't, we, we, you know, we just can't let things go. We, we've never let things go. That's just not (laughs) what we do. Um, But they were acquired 2016 gray in, in, the like the most home runs we had had up till 2016 was just under 5700 2017 6100 2019 6776 like come on just give us yeah. one ball but yes i'm with you yeah. if we can get more production more offense that's what's going to drive interest in the if, like if they're trying to build interest back up it's not a pitch clock it's not all these other things that i i think are ridiculous honestly it's it's getting offense back in the game Right. Yeah, no, completely. I'm actually on the rules front. I'm I'm honestly excited for the pitch clock. <laughs> I, I hate I, it. I really <laughs> absolutely don't. hate it. Yeah, uh. I, I like I like the idea. Like, let them, you know, let them go faster. <laughs> I don't I don't mind that at all. Um, but I also didn't mind how it was before either. So, I don't yeah. Know. And, When it comes to the big game, every second counts, especially if you're missing a moment of the action to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores, compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, and then get them delivered in under 60 minutes or scheduled up to two weeks in advance. Talk about a home run or inside the park grand slam with a whole lot less work on your part. Drizzly also makes it easy to send the gift of alcohol right to your friends and family for any occasion, even if that occasion is rubbing it in their face after you beat them in your face. Or maybe you joined too many leagues or were late to date night because you were putting in fab claims. Apologize with a, a nice beverage. Maybe you just want to save some time when you're hosting a party and don't want to make that run to the liquor store. Or even better, be the hero that every party needs when supplies are getting low and order more drinks. They're open until 2 a.m. So if you're looking to spend more time watching the game, download Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. All right, great. So let's go ahead and move on to the transactions, the the signings that people are here for. Uh, you know, maybe the, the one that is the, the highest uh, draft, I guess, at least for us in, in fantasy baseball purposes, is Trey Turner. He's going to Philly. I mean... He's he's still going to provide you the power speed. Are you concerned about Trey Turner and Philly at all, or is it just kind of standard operating procedure? He's going to be he's going to be Trey Turner. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not really concerned at all. I think if anything, Philly is a solid landing spot for him. Um, Dodger Stadiums really has in the last few years become a hitter's park. So, I mean, Dodger Stadium's not bad, but Philly's not bad either. I mean, Philly's solid, and uh, also from like. Uh, right-hand side of the plate, Philly might even be a, a, a smidge better than Dodger Stadium, uh, even though, you know, like Dodger Stadium has that little, the foul pole comes out a little bit uh, in left field. Anyway, I'm I'm not a uh, an architect, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, Philly's not a bad stadium. And I think also, like, uh, you know, assuming, this is also assuming Trey Turner's leading off and uh, Rob Thompson doesn't have, like, uh, 
<laughs> he doesn't have he doesn't have a moment of like complete lunacy and put Schwarber at leadoff. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But yeah, I think Trey Turner is probably a lock. It's a good lineup, especially um when Bryce Harper returns. Um but even before he returns, it's still a solid lineup. Trey Turner's still like you know, he's a lock for like 110 runs, 70-ish, 70-ish uh, RBIs, probably 70 to 80, maybe low 80s. Uh, good average, like he's a solid average hitter. His, uh, his Babbitt probably falls around to like 340 range, which is, uh, and then it, he gets a like around a 295-ish average. Solid everything. Speed is good. Um Probably, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he runs, you know, a tad more, at least in the first half of the season before Bryce Harper's back. I could see that happening. Uh, you know, I could see him getting out to a, uh, a a big and also with the limited pickoff moves that might affect him. Might It might help his speed a little bit. Again, it probably is going to help everyone's speed a little bit. So, you know, it's probably a, a moot point when it comes to Trey Turner. But yeah, I mean. I wouldn't be shocked to see him steal 30 bags again and possibly hit 25 homers. I, you know, I I think in reality he is like, you know, I have him I have him down for 22 homers and 30 steals and a 293 average. I mean, give or take like a couple homers on each side and a couple steals. I mean, that sounds about right. I don't know. I mean, he's pretty solid. I would be worried about you know, uh, I would be worried about, like, year five of this deal. <laughs> but for now, yeah. I mean, I, I'm all about Trey Turner. I have no problem with him. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm still all in on Trey Turner. Um, you know, he's, he's I think, is as safe as it gets, which is maybe the, the curse, the, the kiss of death on him. But, like, his sprint speed is still top five in the league, whether you go by 90-foot splits, where you go hit, Pitched first base, whether you go uh, like max sprint speed, regardless of what, how you measure it, he's top five in that. Um, you know the 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 hitting numbers across the board were pretty much identical, like barrels, exit velocity, hard hit rate, all that is to say the same. So I'm with you. No real concerns about Trey Turner in Philly, and you already mentioned Bryce Harper news. You know the it, it is kind of. Bryce Harper, you know, with the Bryce Harper news that he's not going to be back to the All-Star break, I was, uh, like I said earlier in the show, I'm doing my rankings right now uh, that are available on Patreon. Now, that won't be available until uh, January, February on the site. But anyway, (laughs) um, I was, you know, I was saying in my rankings, and uh, it's kind of interesting that he had so few, Bryce Harper, this is, he had so few games in the outfield that, like his eligibility is only he's utility only in a lot of leagues, um, and he's going to miss half the season, if not sixty percent of the season. Um, you know, so like I was looking at his numbers, and like Bryce Harper's now at like oh I want to say like seventeen homers, seven steals, two seventy average for the year. Um, Runs in RBIs, like half a season runs in RBIs. So that's like, you know, roughly 45 runs and 45 RBIs, depending on where he is in the lineup. So, yeah, I mean, not great, <laughs> to be honest. And, you know, I'm doing a uh, I'm doing a 15-team 
draft champions league draft right now uh as we speak and bryce harper was on the he was available for a long time uh i don't know if he's been drafted yet i i uh yeah he has but i i don't know exactly where he went and i don't feel like you know trying to do a find and replace right now but uh <laughs> he is um i mean he was there up until like round 13 in a 15 team league so yeah, I mean, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. Like, I, I think Bryce Harper, you know, the name is there, but I don't think I don't think I'm going to be having many shares this year. Um, anyway, that's that's my thoughts on Bryce Harper, real quick. Yeah, I mean, I think the only leagues that he gets kind of maybe boosted up in is like your shallow leagues with multiple IL spots where you can just stick him there. Stash him because everything on the wire is still good, and then you know he can come back and help you. But like in a deeper league, if you, the earlier you're starting to draft somebody who's going to sit on the IL for you, that means you're giving up a half season of somebody you could have picked in that spot. Instead, um, his draft price before the news came out, I thought was absolutely absurd. It's certainly you know been knocked back to at least a little more reasonable. I just area now. did a uh, I just did a search. He's he went around 170 overall in my uh, draft champions league. So that's a league with no waivers. And so there's no IL spot. There's no IL. Yeah. There's no waivers. He's utility only. So I, I kind of get a little bit of a discount there, but at 170, I mean, I, I still, I wasn't going for him. Um, but in a league like you're talking about where there's IL st- uh, slots. Yeah. I mean, probably like around maybe 10th round, like, 120 overall, 10, 10th round in a one in a 12 teamer where you have some like IL slots like an RCL. Yeah, I mean maybe. Yeah, I think somewhere between like you said 120 to 150 depending on the league feels right. Like just looking at, you know, ADPs and who's going in that area, like at the short end you're looking at like Glaber, Chris Bryant, um you know, a, Nick Lodolo, Christian Walker. So guys who can put up numbers but have had their own issues. Um, and then back end of, of those rankings, you're looking at like Max Muncy, Stanton, Rizzo. So it, it's kind of like do you want your production early in the season before these guys get hurt? Or do you want it coming in midseason, although he's going to be coming off of injury, he's going to be coming without really uh, like a regular spring training. So I, I'm with you. I'm pretty much just going to avoid him unless he falls into my lap. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, another guy who, uh, you know, we were talking about guys who you know, provide their value maybe early, and then who knows if they'll be around. Uh, the next big signing is Jacob DeGrom. We'll move over to the Rangers. Uh, they have, they've, they've bolstered their, their pitching staff. They got DeGrom, they got Andrew Heaney, and they got Jake Odorizzi. They paid serious money for at least two of the three. Um, I mean, with DeGrom specifically, I don't know if there's a whole lot to say other than, like, He's going to be great when he pitches, right? Like, but yeah. more than a hundred innings over under. Yeah, um, uh, I want to say I projected him for like one hundred and five, which felt like pretty. I don't know, that felt fair. I, I yeah. at one hundred and seven actually, I projected him for. So yeah, I mean, close. You know, we're gonna have like you know, like everyone uh, knows, you're gonna get like Degrom's gonna be the best pitcher in baseball for like, you know, as many innings as he's on the mound and but he's not going to be on the mound for a full year. Like that's just what you're going to get. I mean, that's you know, maybe you get lucky 
and you get 150 innings from him, I don't see. I don't. I mean, that's really like pie in the sky. Super glasses half full. <laughs> you're 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 a real optimist if you're thinking you're getting 150 innings from him. I I mean, maybe 120. I mean, that still feels optimistic to me. Like I said, I projected for 107. So yeah, I mean, I could see great like you know great stats from him. Obviously, Arlington. Uh, is good, depending on what baseball they're using. Um, <laughs> now, Ar- Arlington is a good park for pitching. DeGrom's a great pitcher no matter where he's pitching. It's just a matter of how many innings you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I even really need to ask you this because he may go before you even are looking at pitchers. But, I mean, he's going, you know, around 35 right now uh, over the last month on NFBC uh, would you rather are you are you willing to take him in the third round, Gray, if you're looking for pitchers there, or would you are you going with somebody like a you know a Spencer Strider, a Shane McClanahan, an Aaron Nola, somebody who comes with a little bit more at least perceived security in, in the innings they're giving you? So this is so you know you're uh, so it, it's like it depends on the league, obviously. Uh, the ADP is just going to be the average. Um, said Mr. Exposition. <laughs> Obviously, that's what it is. So, But in the league I'm in actually drafting right now, DeGrom went way earlier than that. Like, it was like, uh, I in the second round he went. So it was uh, Burns, Cole, DeGrom. That's it. That's the top three. That's that's how it went. So it wasn't, e- so it wasn't even like a question of whether I could p- possibly get him. Uh, if he were there at like... 30, 30, uh, I mean, it depends on where I'm drafting in the league. I do, in like a 15-team league, and definitely in a draft champions where there's no waivers. So no waivers, so that's a big change from usual drafts. So I would take, I, I do take a pitcher in the third round usually, like around like 40 overall. So if DeGrom's there 40 overall, I would take him. I mean, I wouldn't love it because... In a draft champions with no waivers, you have a guy who's only going to give you 100 innings. So I wouldn't love it necessarily, but I would probably do it because, you know, you have the overall championship, which is like, I want to say like $40,000. So, you know, DeGrom, if he gives you 200 innings randomly one year, he's going to be on a lot of league winners. So you're going to win a lot of money if you have a DeGrom that one year when he does actually do a crazy year, but am I taking him and loving it? Probably not. And I'm not taking him over a lot of other guys like this draft that I'm doing right now. I took Woodruff. I probably would take Woodruff before DeGrom. Yeah. Honestly. I would too. And uh, yeah. And Woodruff went, let me see uh, real quick. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's the 12th pitcher off the board. Yeah. That's crazy to me that he went 12th. Yeah. Like, what yeah. does he have to do to get some damn respect? I know, right? Like three three closers went before him. That's absurd. That's so absurd to me. <laughs> yeah. Have we not learned the lesson yet? Have we not no. learned the no. lessons of no. closers? No, we don't learn that. We oh my. like certain lessons are never learned. <laughs> Catchers never and, learned. and closers, apparently. <laughs> They're never never learned. Um anyway, yeah, so the ground will be great. I uh <laughs> Heaney, 
um, you know, super fast. I think Heaney, Andrew Heaney will be a, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he does well or if like the Dodgers are just a bunch of cheaters. (laughs) (laughs) He had the most insane year for the Dodgers. Granted, it was only in 70 innings, but he had like a, he had a 13.6 K per nine. I was like, what? Right. It was like it was like what we heard from Andy, about Andrew Heaney when he was 21 years old. Like <laughs> this guy is going to be amazing. He's going to give us three ERA, like a 36 percent K rate. Like it, that we've been waiting Andrew a Heaney, dozen years. Andrew Heaney with the Angels had a year when he had a 6.6 K per nine. <laughs> he more than doubled it with the Dodgers. Like what even, dude? Like, that's like what they did with Tyler Anderson, what they did with Tony Gosling. It's like, what are the Dodgers doing? <laughs> someone must find – someone needs to do an expose on what the Dodgers are doing. Anti-commemorative balls. They are obviously <laughs> cheating. I mean, it's so clear. Okay, anyway, we can move on. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm with you on Heaney. Like, I, I don't know that he's going to be – drafted off of last year's numbers regardless but i'm not buying what he did last year um if i need a late dart throw after 200 and he's still around sure um Odorizzi, i mean kind of the same thing but even even worse because i mean he hasn't gone sub four era since 2019 which is the weirdest thing and he went sub four era and like the hardest year ever to go sub four era like I, I don't, I just <laughs> yeah. assume Odorizzi's not really coming back. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Even even when he is good, he's like a twenty percent K guy, a four ERA. Like it's it's replacement level for the most yeah. part. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, uh, moving on to another veteran pitcher getting signed. That is Justin Verlander and Jose Quintana. Actually, uh, both going to the Mets. Obviously, Verlander's the the big news here. I mean, would you rather have Verlander or Degrom? Uh, you know, I, I think I kind of, it depends. Like in uh, definitely in real baseball, I kind of want Verlander because, you know, he's just like, he's a solid, uh, 200 innings, uh, including, uh, the postseason where I, you can't really rely on DeGrom. So I think the Mets actually did a good, a good, uh, switch with, uh, DeGrom to Verlander for, for fantasy. It kind of depends on the league because like a super shallow league, you can get away with a DeGrom like for 100 innings and just get like an insane 100 innings and get a guy off waivers to fill in. The deeper the league, I kind of think Verlander and in general for fantasy, I wouldn't be surprised if I end up ranking Verlander above DeGrom. I haven't done my pitcher rankings yet. Uh, those are going to be next week when I'm going to start uh, writing them up. And then, you know, like I said, Patreon and then <laughs> on the site later. But anyway, yeah, I, I think Verlander. Um, but it's close. I think it's pretty close. I think Verlander, though. Yeah, Would, I mean, I, I think you know, I'm with you. My only concern is the is potentially the, the K-rate drop from Verlander last year. Um, but he was so good across the board at everything else that, like, I'm, I'm just going to – I'm just going to count on him to do it. Like, I'm very ageist. I, I don't draft older players. But if you make it past, like, 38 and you're still performing, I, I, I give you a pass. So, um. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, it's like, I think Verlander at this point, until he breaks down and he has, like, an, like an issue, like, with his arm, like, an injury, you can't account for that, really. Uh, and if, as long as he's healthy, it's hard for me to imagine – Worse than like 
a three ERA and solid whip and solid K's. Not insane K's, but like over a nine K per nine in 170 plus innings. I mean, it's, you know, it's really, and good ratios. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like Verlander, in the end, Verlander's probably, not only is it, yeah, actually, I've convinced myself because, like, if you look at the player rater for last year, Verlander was a top pitcher. If Verlander can throw 170 innings again of anywhere close to what he just did, he's going to be way more valuable than DeGrom, even if DeGrom is great for 100 innings. Yeah, just, just the pure number, like the amount yeah. of, of things that are, are going to be in his favor. Um, yeah. I, I will say on, on Verlander, the one thing that maybe causes me just slight hesitation, um, which is, a very, again, very minor, is just the switch from AL to NL, um, and maybe more specifically from the, his, his former division, which was terrible. It was the Angels who were kind of an offensive team, but not really. The A's who were awful, the Rangers who were awful, and then the Mariners who were good last year, but who knows what's happening year to year there, um, to what is going to be, you know, a very kind of stacked AL East. Um, but again, that's very minimal concern. He's Justin Verlin. He's a very good pitcher. It really shouldn't matter. He's been around for so long. Like, I don't expect some of the adjustments that younger pitchers make going AL, NL, or switching here's teams. It's a, a hard one. Uh, Verlander or Scherzer? Uh, that is a hard one. Um, I think I'm going with Scherzer. And I think I'm only going for the K's. Yeah, higher the K's. K's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a tough one. I, I hear you. Yeah, higher K's kind of has me leaning Scherzer a little bit too. Um, he hasn't changed the like, division in, you know, eight years. So, I mean, he's been stuck. In the AL East, it's nothing like it's nothing new to him, um, so that that also helps a little bit, I think, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably. I agree more or less. Um, if uh, not that it means everything or or anything, maybe. But Verlander and Scherzer went back to back in my uh, NFBC league, and uh, Scherzer went second. But yeah, it doesn't. You know. Yeah, I mean, I would expect those two to go very close. Yeah, they're they're close. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they're both old pitchers who you know give you good ratios. Scherzer gives you more K's, and it's just, just which one you feel safer with. Um, moving on to you know Verlander's former team. I guess real quick, anything on Jose Quintana? Are you interested in anything other than you know, on these? <laughs> no, yeah, probably not. Um, I think. Uh... He was really valuable for me last year in an NL only league, but yeah, you can't trust him really. I mean, maybe a low four, like in a deep league, innings and a low four ERA. It's that's something, but it's not great for shallower leagues. Right, we're not expecting another two ERA for, no. like he did for the for the Cardinals with his in his twelve starts there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He's a back end. He's a streamer. Um, he's great streamer. He was a great streamer last year and that's where I think he belongs. Uh, moving on to the Astros where Verlander used to play and they signed Jose Abreu to fill the, you know, void that they've kind of had at first base last year. Obviously, you know, they 
had been rolling out um, Guriel for a number of years, just doing his yearly Guriel thing. That kind of fell off last year, and he's gone. So, how do you feel about Jose Abreu sliding into, you know, first base for the Astros? Uh, not to keep talking about this draft, but I just took Jose Abreu. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I mean, I don't necessarily, like, love him uh, enough to, like, I took him in the uh, sixth round of a 15-team league. So, like, near 90 overall. So, I'm not saying, you know, I, I love him like, you know, a, a top 25 overall guy. But I do really, I think he's probably going to be undervalued. It's a fantastic lineup. Fantastic. <laughs> it's really good. Um, he's going to be between uh, Captain Wu, uh, Cubano, uh, Jordan Alvarez, and uh, Kyle Tucker. I mean, Jordan and Tucker sandwich, pretty tasty. It's a pretty tasty place to be. <laughs> I don't mind it. I'll be honest. And uh, Crawford boxes yep. with him as a righty, I could I could see the power coming back too. I mean, I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but it would would it shock you if he had like an MVP type season? I mean, he's in a place where he could bounce back to like 27 homers and 110 RBIs good runs he's always been he's always been surprisingly decent on average he's in a good place to uh to have a bounce back so i i kind of like it yeah i do too uh i was i was kind of off of a brayu pre-signing and then he went to like one of the five places that i was like oh okay i'm back in um you mentioned the crawford boxes you mentioned this spot in the lineup which i think could even potentially get a little bit better because I mean, I know that they've they've always had Bregman high in the lineup one or two, but like Bregman isn't Bregman from a few years ago. So I could I could easily see them moving like going Altuve, Tucker, Abreu, Jordan, Bregman, rather than having Bregman up at the top and going righty righty, getting that righty lefty switch. Although they don't really have a whole lot of lefties, so it, it really doesn't matter where they slot in. Other than I, it's very unlikely Jordan and Kyle Tucker are back to back. Um, but there's, I mean, there's a potential that he goes back three or four. Um, so I like the spot in the lineup. I, I'm in. I like Jose Breu, and I, I think the draft price isn't going to be overly crazy either because you know of his down year. People are going to kind of just look at that and and assume you know the power is gone. And I'm with you. I think he can get back up to 25, maybe even 30 home runs with the Crawford boxes. He's not. An extreme pull hitter, but hitters also play to the stadium that they are in. So if he realizes he can pull a ball down the line and just get an easy home run, I wouldn't be surprised to see that pull percentage go up quite a bit. Also, I don't know how many uh, I don't know how many baseballs Dr. Meredith Willis looked at that were in uh, Chicago, <laughs> but <laughs> no one like no one hit over like 17 homers there. Like I don't know what they were doing with the humidor over there with the White Sox, but that entire team like stopped hitting home runs. So I don't I don't know if necessarily we know the the complete story on Jose Abreu and the White Sox of last year. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> now I have a tinfoil hat on and everything's a conspiracy. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Anyway, I wouldn't put it past you. I had a number of White Sox that uh, underperformed, so that, I, I'm with you in this conspiracy theory um, <laughs> that that it's going to change and things are going to be different. Um, <laughs> yeah. Moving on to uh, the Red Sox, they they missed out on maybe their biggest possible signing, but they did bring in a couple of guys and Kinley Jansen and Masataka Yoshida. Uh, Kinley, I don't know if he's actually going to. I assume he's going to be given the closer job initially. I don't know if he stays in it all year. Um, I don't feel overly great about it, but the Red Sox didn't really commit to anybody anyways on that front. Um, and then on the other side, Yoshida, I mean, I imagine, I don't, I don't know where he's going to slot in actually. Um, I mean, obviously one of the outfield spots, but as far as the lineup goes, they haven't projected at first, but that means they're going to like, have three of their first four hitters be lefties. I don't know if they're doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's they're in a uh, a, a uh, odd place um, because, I mean, you don't you don't want to really move up. I mean, <laughs> at least me, I don't want to move up Enrique Hernandez back to the leadoff <laughs> spot. I mean, I, I I hope Alex Cora has finally learned his lesson and he doesn't want to move. Enrique Hernandez up to the leadoff spot, especially when you have a guy like uh, Yoshida, who, I mean, if nothing else, it looks like he is a solid bet for contact. Like, he doesn't strike out at all. Um, Over in uh, Japan, I think he had, like, 40 strikeouts in, like, uh, over 500 plate appearances. He's a 300. He's probably, like, neutral luck. He's probably a 290 hitter immediately in the major leagues, uh, 285 at least, like 285 neutral uh, with a little bit of luck. He's a 300 hitter. I don't really, I don't see that playing much lower than like, you know, the one or two spot in the lineup. Uh, I think, and also with Verdugo, they kind of actually, you know, Verdugo and him, like, you know, to do a, a, a lazy comp, they're kind of the same. I mean, Verdugo and Yoshida are essentially the same hitter. So they kind of got, like, two Verdugos in the lineup, which, you know, it's not great for power. <laughs> isn't It isn't really great for speed. But they do get on base. So, I mean, there's that. <laughs> um, I don't mind. I, I mean, honestly, I don't mind Yoshida. And, like, uh, for fantasy and, like, uh, if you have a situation where you need a guy – that is that sort of hitter, like the uh, the Verdugo, the Jeff McNeils, like that that sort of guy is like it's fine in certain leagues in certain situations. I not a guy I usually go for, but if I feel like my team's low on batting average, I mean I think Yoshida is a solid bet, and he's probably going at a decent ADP as of right now. I mean, I don't know if that's going to move up once people start really, uh, you know, seeing him play in spring training or whatever. Um, and, uh, and Kenley Jansen, I don't, I don't have much to say. I mean, Sagnoff, he, he's, he saves it, I assume he's going to be the closer if he's healthy. And usually he misses like one month a year, uh, being unhealthy. So, He'll be fine for five to six months. I think he's. Uh, I think he's the closer. I think it's and that is that's fine. I gave him a two-year deal. He's going to be the closer for two years in Boston, assuming he's healthy. Um, but yeah, I, I like Yoshida I, for for what he is. 
Yeah, I mean, from from Yoshida, what I would oh, expect oh, is... Oh, you know what he is, actually? I mean, he's also Xander Bogarts. I mean, they're all sort of the same thing, who we're going to talk about next. But they're, they're essentially, for fantasy, it's like 17 homers, 5 steals, 290 average. Bogarts maybe gives a little bit more speed, but yeah, I mean, similar. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying on Yoshida, at least for me, my expectations are essentially... Seiya Suzuki, I, I think Seiya has slightly more power, slightly more speed, and I think Yoshida has a little bit better on base on base capabilities. So that's that's kind of the profile that I'm looking at. Um, and I know people are going to say, "Well, Seiya was was wasn't good last year. He was actually pretty solid when he was healthy. He missed a, a, a bit of time, and then there was a little bit of transition time where he was getting back from injury." Um, but if you look at the start and the you know kind of the the finish of the season where he was healthy, those numbers kind of lined up to be a fairly solid season. Um, so I think if you maybe miss out on say I know he seems like some guy that's going to fall, but he really hasn't fallen in the drafts I've been in, um, at least to the extent I thought he would. I think Yoshida is a, a good fallback option who's going to give similar numbers, and again I think maybe just a little bit less speed, maybe a little less power. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fair. All right, as you mentioned, Xander Bogarts, we're moving over there next. The Padres gave him an 11-year deal. Um, that seems uh, that seems a little long for uh, what I'm thinking Xander Bogarts was going to get coming off of what was a little bit of a down year for him. Um, but, I mean, outside of the 11 years, which is his own thing, Gray, how are you feeling about Xander uh, moving everyone, to San Diego? Everyone heard Artie Marino when to, uh, he, he wanted to sell the Angels, so they were all like, in honor, uh, a, a tribute to Artie, they're all giving everyone like Albert Pujols type deals. Here, <laughs> here Bogarts, you're having an 11 year deal, even though you're only going to be good for three years. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I think uh, I think Bogarts is kind of. I, I mean, I feel like he might be a little bit overrated based on his name. Um, I'm not not really a huge fan of him. As far as like where he goes in drafts, usually, I mean, I, it depends. I don't know where his ADP is right now, but he usually goes higher than he's probably worth. Um, he's like, you know, like I said with Yoshida and Verdugo. I mean, Bogarts is kind of like he hit only 15 homers last year. Actually, going back to what I was saying in the beginning of the podcast about Jorge Polanco, Bogarts probably lost like five homers due to the dead baseball. But anyway, uh, Bogarts is like a 17 to 22 homer guy with like maybe seven steals. Uh, decent average, usually uh, 290 average, maybe. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily hate him, but I just feel like he's usually overrated. Uh, you know, he's, he's fine, but 17, Seven two ninety. Yeah, I mean, I could see Brian De La Cruz in Miami doing that. <laughs> Just to be, I mean, to be fair, seventeen seven is what I said earlier in the show. Bryce Harper would do in half a season, and it's what Bogarts does in a full season. So you know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, there's certainly some name value there, and just kind of the security of. 
of getting Bogarts and I guess knowing what you're getting for the most part. Uh, he's currently going around 88th overall, 10th uh, among shortstops. So I don't think that's necessarily an absurd place for him to go. Um, but I do think that like the tier he's in is going to be a fairly large tier where like from him to Carlos Correa and uh, like like that whole group, like six, seven guys is probably going to be the same. Him, Tim Anderson, Wander Franco, Jeremy Pena. Like it just depends on which of those guys you like. And maybe depending on your team build to that point may depend on which one you go with as well, because if you need a little bit of speed, maybe, you know, it's Pena. If you need the average, maybe it's Sander or Tim Anderson. If you need the power, it's probably Correa. Um, and Adamus is kind of like the middle ground. Like, there's there's a number of ways you can go at shortstop in that right. tier. Well, if you think about, like, if Bogarts is a uh, 17-7, 285-5. <laughs> we'll give him 285. Even though, like, uh, I think projections have him for 277 or something. So, we'll give him 285. Uh, I actually uh, project him for 292. So, I'm, I'm on the higher side. I, I think Bogarts is a good hitter probably a 290 hitter but anyway we'll say 285 so if we say bogarts is 177285 willie adamas is uh, if we say willie adamas is 37 30 homers seven steals 245 uh, I mean, yeah there's a difference in average there but i mean is it is it that dramatic and willie adamas always goes after bogarts i mean maybe maybe they're close like in in ADP, like right now, because I think uh, people are starting to uh, people are starting to get woke. <laughs> what's all? What's with all this woke people? No, I mean people are you know people are starting to realize that maybe Bogarts isn't that great, but Willie Adams always goes after Bogarts, at least as far as my experience <laughs> has been. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, Willie Adams, I feel like has upside from what I said, and Bogarts is kind of like yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, I guess they're close, but I like Willie Adamas for the price versus Bogarts. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, there. but I guess the issue is there are people who, like, literally will not stick or do, well, like, will not draft a Willie Adamas, a guy who, who's going to strike out, who's going to have a low average, and, like, your, your power speed – that's not me. Obviously, I'm the opposite. Maybe. Well, I think about think about this. Too think much, about this but... too. Like, if you're going to go uh, and say there was a dead ball, ba- uh, dead baseball last year for certain people, and Willie Adams was one of them, and he still hit 31 homers. If the ball gets bouncy, bouncy, he hits 40 homers. Willie Adams is winning MVP, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe the biggest thing for Willie Adams is a, a a bounce a new better baseball more improved uh, bouncy baseball may help his average bounce back. Like when we had the bouncy baseballs, he was like a two sixty two seventy hitter. Last year he was like a two forty hitter. So I think that's really where we see it from Adams is like some of those crappy balls he hits might actually get through. My uh, um, my rankings are uh, now that I've learned about the different baseballs, my rankings look like the. Uh, the conspiracy uh, string board. <laughs> like I'm pulling string across. Like okay, this guy gets a good baseball. This guy gets a bad baseball. This guy over here at the different park. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but I mean, I guess to your point, like O'Neill Cruz is going ahead of uh, ahead of Xander Bogarts and 
Willie Adamas. There's reason for that. He's young. Like, it's the unknown. We haven't seen it. He has crazy power speed. But, like, would you be shocked if Willie Adamas had a, like, the season we expect O'Neill Cruz to have? No. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I, w- I wouldn't be shocked at all. I think, uh, I, I, I do like O'Neill Cruz a lot. I know you do. So it's hard for me to say this, but yeah, no, I wouldn't be shocked by uh, Willie Adamas being more uh, valuable than O'Neill Cruz. I, I think O'Neill Cruz's upside is like top ten overall, though. I mean, I, I do think that. I, yeah, he could go top. Yeah, two he could totally be like thirty-eight homers, twenty steals, two seventy-five like it's possible like i know the average sounds high but he hits the ball so hard all he has to do is make contact i mean that's it yeah the tools are so so amazingly yeah. loud like insane ridiculous shit and he hit 280 in september right. so if you're saying it's not possible now that's one month exactly. so most people hit 288 one month and like everybody that's does new, that but if he just well, hits 280 new, wait i got a new string hold on <laughs> but if he hits like 288 and then hits as his 220 and then hits like 270 that all comes to like a 260 270 whereas like people who are not drafting him and saying that's ridiculous are looking at the 200 he was hitting as like a call-up getting part-time play because the pirates no, are done i know that's that what i never understand is like people and people have such short memories it's like if you look at mike trout's first year he didn't hit 200 i mean you don't, you don't hit like there's, There's so, so many, many guys, guys who don't, who hit, don't hit when they first come up. It doesn't that and O'Neill Cruz didn't he didn't hit for like two months and then he started hitting. Like he adjusted that fast. Like that's an adjustment. Like he's better now. Um yeah. So anyway, I love O'Neill Cruz. Don't let's move on. <laughs> okay, we'll move on from O'Neill Cruz. And I really only brought him up because like he and like Dansby Swanson, Corey Seager, Lindor. Like, that is a group of shortstops that I feel like are in a tier above the group that we were talking about. So, like, Lindor, Seager, Cruz, Swanson all have upside to be great, like, great players at at shortstop. The next tier below them are a little bit more sketchy. So, like, that's the only reason I really kind of wanted to bring up O'Neill Cruz at all. But we'll move on. Uh, The Giants, you know, they had two targets, one of which was Aaron Judge. He didn't go there, (laughs) although it was reported he went there. Uh, their other target apparently was Mitch Hanager, who they overpaid. Uh, anything to say really here on maybe the most just baffling baseball player I, I, I like I've ever come across in Mitch. <laughs> I you know it's uh, I, I, from Mitch Hanager's uh, perspective. I mean, can you imagine being like the team's like we're getting you and Aaron Judge? Come on. <laughs> And then he's like, <laughs> uh, 24 hours later, he's like, wait, so it's me and Lamonte Wade? <laughs> Do I have to say the junior part? Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> what happened, bro? Like, wait, it was it was me and Aaron Judge, and now it's me and Wilmer Flores? <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, I think Mitch Hanniger, I don't know. I mean, maybe you could shed some light on why you think he's baffling. I just think he's whether he's healthy or injured. Really, I mean, he's like a, a thirty. You know, he's like a forty homer player when he's totally healthy and plays almost one hundred and sixty games, and then he's like 
a 20 homer guy when he plays like a hundred and you know, a hundred games. And like when he plays like, 30 games, he's like a 10 homer guy. Like, I don't know. I mean, he's like, he, he hits for power and nothing really else. Like, he has no speed. He's a, he's a 245 hitter, essentially. Um, yeah, I mean, he's fine for like a middle of the order type guy. Like, you know, the, uh, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not really a huge Hanniger fan because I think, you know, he's so often injured. And even if he's not injured, like his upside is kind of like, I don't know, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, there's some power, I guess. If you if you're looking for a late bat that could potentially, you know, get you 30 homers if he only plays 120 games. And yeah, I mean, he's OK. I'm, I'm not I, honestly I'm not a huge Hanniger fan. Uh, I think he's probably overrated just based on like his one big season was, you know, Thanks to like a lot of games and a lot of at bats. Yeah, so the the power is legitimate. He's always had you know legitimate power. The the part that's been confusing to me throughout his whole career is like the K rate bounces around. He's been good K rate to like bad K rate, like straight up bad. He's had a two eighty five average down to like two twenty. Like like the. We know he hits the ball hard, but like he is so inconsistent year to year on how much he hits the ball hard. Um, other than home runs, like the home runs are in line, but like everything else changes. Like singles, doubles, like just the average, the like it. That's why I said he was confusing, and the fact the team seemed to value him is also very confusing to me. But this is where we are. We're in a three true outcome world now. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, so yeah, well, that's, that's why Mitch Hanager ran on it. Also, like, I, I don't know who's going to be starting for the Giants come like July because they just have people who don't play full seasons except for like Wilmer Flores. <laughs> like Mike Yastrzemski's never played a full season. Mike, Mitch Hanager's done it once. Jock Peterson has never played a full season because he just gets platooned. J.D. Davis plays first base and doesn't get, doesn't play a full season. Brendan Crawford has, like, is like 36. He is not going to do it. Like, who is going to be playing for the Giants in July, Gray? This is going to be like this is maybe another reason for any offhander a little bit. Is like I don't know who's going to be around him. Aaron Judge. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, awful. Yeah, like, that was my awful. Mitch Hanniger impersonation. Aaron, Ju- Aaron Judge, team... right? You guys got Aaron Judge, didn't you? <laughs> no, uh, Mitch. Mitch oh. You might want to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> but like we look at this and i guess maybe this is one we na- nailed like on the head from 2021 to 2022 like the giants for 2021 are still the most baffling thing in the world like how were they yeah, good they were, it makes like no sense 80 82 win uh, team that won like 100 games or something <laughs> the, uh, 82 might be yeah, very they generous, might be generous. they might have been a 78 win <laughs> team that won 100 yeah they were they were like, a baffling team um uh, yeah, all on the uh, all on the back of Brandon Crawford's career year. <laughs> like what? Everybody, everybody on that team had a career year. year. Yeah, crazy. no, that's true. Everyone. Commemorative baseball is all all throughout <laughs> Giant Stadium. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Uh, all right, uh, moving on to our next guy. Um, I guess we should have covered this one back when we talked about the Phillies, but it's a it's a little bit more of a recent um, signing, and that's Taiwan Walker. Um, also, you know, it's on the it's on the pitching side as well. Yeah. Uh, so, what? 
I mean, Tywell Walker, for me, he's always been a guy that pitches fine when he's healthy, but as soon as he gets, like, a little scratch on him, like, I, it's, it becomes impossible to trust him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, tr- I don't trust Tywell uh, Walker really at all. I think he's, I think he's probably a uh, 385-ish uh, pitcher, n- neutral luck, uh, but he's also, I mean, not last year because of Mecco. And maybe the dead balls, but he's usually also a guy who gives up a lot of home runs. So going to the bank as his home park, mm, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I think I'm out on Taiwan Walker. He, he's usually he's usually solid for like 160 innings and a you know uh, 380 ish ERA, which is okay in like deeper leagues. But for shallower leagues, yeah, I, I think he's probably going to end up a, a streamer in, like, RCL leagues this year. All right, I'm going to give you three names. Uh, Tywa Walker, Mike Clevenger, and Jose Quintana. Back in arm, who are you taking? Uh, oh, man. Uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, this is, like, last last arm that you're taking. So, I mean, we are potentially I'd looking probably, for some upside here. I'd probably just take, the, yeah, like you said, upside. I'd probably take the upside chance on – Clevenger another year away from um, Tommy John and just being better. But, I mean, that's honestly, that's only because you're giving me a terrible uh, a terrible set of options that are available at the end of the draft. Like, Clevenger, he lost two miles on his fastball. I don't know if Clevenger is right either. Um, You know, I guess we can move on to Clevenger since I've said all I had to say about Walker. Uh, Yeah, I think Clevenger... Like, you know, in Chicago, I mean, he could be, he could bounce back. Like, that's why I, I, out of the three names you gave me, I chose him. So there's a chance he could bounce back. But in reality, I mean, losing miles on your fastball after surgery, it's not good, man. <laughs> it's not good. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think uh, if he's a eight-ish K per nine with uh, just under three walk rate, he's going to struggle to be under uh, a four ERA possibly. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in on. I'm really not in on Clevenger. Unfortunately, I think, uh, I think there's a chance that, like I said, there's a chance he could be better. There's a chance he could bounce back. But am I really like? totally like you know sold on it no i'm not i'm not sold on it yeah we're, we're, we're I, and the reason i ask is just so we can talk about where you're drafting him like he is a dart throw you are hoping not expecting this to happen um you know some guys are going around him gray other than the ones we already brought up um tyler maley carlos carrasco i think i'd rather take the shot on both of them yeah um Carrasco hasn't lost speed on his fastball, at least. Uh, and and Maley's, you know, one removed from being a very solid, like, three, two, three yeah, guy. Yeah, no, completely. I think, uh, you know, Tyler Mall is probably, I mean, he's probably got the most upside out of those guys. Carrasco's probably, he's safer than, uh, I think he's safer than Walker and Clevenger and probably Quintana, too. So, yeah, I would say Carrasco probably. But these aren't great options. No, these are these again back end arms. But just if you're in that area, you know, if you're doing 15 teamers, you're doing draft ch- champions, you're doing draft and hold type of leagues. Like these are the guys you're you're potentially looking at at the back end. So 
just to give some context there. Um, moving on to uh, maybe the most depressing signing for me of the entire <laughs> offseason, and, and mainly because this is the one team I didn't want to see him go to. Uh, Wilson Contreras swaps teams inside. The division goes from the Cubs to the Cardinals. The Cubs didn't trade him for anything. We're not getting anything for him. This is wonderful as a Cubs fan. Um, what do you think about Contreras as a Cardinal? Well, I mean, what, what is the deal with, like, holding him through the deadline and then not not getting anything for like what is that all about is it was literally management saying like holding out the 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 thought that we were gonna you know we might bring him back there's we I, might I bring like him back is, and like because yeah. we had nothing else to root for like is, there I was think that's nothing the else. cubs like current mo it's like pretending they're not tanking it's like oh here's cody bellinger and Jameson Tyon, he was good. And it's like, what? What is that doing for us? Like, what? Like us? If I'm a Cub, I'm not. But yeah. I'm saying, like, what is? Like, their moves are just like you're not really competing, but you're also not really tanking. You're just sort of like you're in between with like do. I, I feel like they're doing moves just to try and appease fans to be like, look, we we're trying. We got Bellinger, like. We spent like thirty million dollars, yeah, right, on two shitty players. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, anyway, Contreras is a catcher. I don't really draft catchers um, in a two-catcher league. He's a solid number one. Uh, I think he's probably, if anything, if you're a person who drafts catchers, Contreras to me is like a a solid underrated guy uh, as far as his like ADP goes. Like he. He's going way after a lot of other catchers, and he's a solid, like, 22 homer, 5 steal, 2, I don't know, 250 maybe, 245 average. Uh, But no catchers are good on average. But he's going after guys like, you know, uh, Alejandro Kirk, who's, you know, fine. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't mind Kirk if you're a guy who drafts catchers, but – Contreras is going way after, say, like uh, a Will Smith. And what are they separated by, really? I mean, Will Smith is a 25 homer, uh, 255 hitter. And Wilson Contreras is a 22 homer, 245. I mean, they're kind of the same thing. And Will Smith is going like roughly 70 picks before Contreras. So if you're type, you're the, if you're the type who drafts a catcher. I honestly Contreras is decent for his uh price point, but yeah, I mean he's a catcher, so whatever. Yeah, I mean there's just there's just not a lot of separation between them. And honestly, the separation should get lessened a little bit this year because uh as we're looking at the you know, the run RBI numbers, the Cubs again had absolutely nobody. So if anything, he's sitting into a lineup that actually is gonna drive him in and give some people for him to drive in on occasion. So those numbers could even become a little bit closer in regards to just end-of-year player rater value if you're just pulling up our player rater and seeing Will Smith was more valuable. Like, I do think that's one of the adjustments that gets made with this is that those counting numbers kind of become a little bit closer. Um, And I don't think that Will Smith is going to play significantly more either because I think Contreras is going to get at least some time at DH – um, because the Cardinals have um, Knitzer there, and then they have um, oh, shit. Uh, the, uh, the, one, the, yeah. 
prosper. Yeah, thank you. Um, so they got they got guys that they can move in there too. So I I think uh, I like the call a lot on Contreras being a value at ADP. Um, at least if you're you know if you're type that takes a top ten catcher uh, inside the top one hundred. Yeah. All right, let's run through a few of the smaller kind of notes here. Um, Josh Bell goes to the Guardians. You know, he's a guy who did have value and then lost all value as soon as he got traded. What are we thinking happens now that he's landed in a, a new spot that isn't, you know, it, it's also, back to kind of a small market. So in regards to that, like, you think about, like, uh, the people who are like, oh, uh, Bogarts is going into a good lineup. It's like so many people have gone into the Padres lineup and just been terrible. <laughs> So like, bad. Uh, not so great. Bad. So anyway, uh, I think Josh Bell, honestly, because of the uh, because of the team, uh, and they gave him a free agent deal. I think they're they're the type of team that will play Josh Bell for 162 games if he's healthy. So for counting stats and you know, not not going to be better. Like he hits way too many ground balls to really be a strong home run threat like we saw in 2019. Uh, unless we get the bouncy ball back. <laughs> no, but I, I think just Josh Bell just hits too many ground balls to really be a, a, a serious home run threat. Um, but, you know, he could he could sneak into, like, 85 runs, 95 RBIs, 20 homers, a 265 average. I mean, it's not great. Don't get me wrong. But... You know, if we're saying, like, you know, um, Jose Abreu is, like, if Jose Abreu doesn't take the, the step forward in Houston, Jose Abreu or Josh Bell, maybe not that different. Uh, I think Jose Abreu is much better. Don't get me wrong. We went over him earlier. But, you know, Josh Bell could be that sort of, like, you know, corner bat that is productive, even if it's not, like, completely exciting because there's not much upside and there's no speed whatsoever. Yeah. And I think maybe, maybe the biggest thing about Josh Bell and his current draft cost is when you get to where he's being drafted, he might be the last first baseman in that area that is going to play like fair, that should play fairly regularly. Cause a lot of the other first basemen in that area are going to be platoon bats. They're swapped in and out. Um, or they're, you know, some of them are the multi-position guys who get bumped up because they're multi-position, like a three type yeah. or a Luis Arias. So, like, so there's value in Josh Bell just so. playing every day in the middle of the line. Yeah, no, totally. I think so. And also, like, if you look at, like, Josh Bell's, uh, like, uh, a guy who he's getting drafted next to, uh, Joey Menez, like... He's got like Joey Menez to me. This is going to be we'll we'll save most of this for the first base uh, ranking podcast. But I mean, you're talking about a guy who's like a guy who had what like one good month <laughs> versus a guy who's been solid performer for like five six years. I mean, come on, man. Like it's like I, I get it. Like some teams are built where you want to take the upside sort of gamble on like a Joey Menez, but like Joey Menez or Josh Bell and they're going back to back in, in ADP. Like really? I mean, Josh Bell is like world better. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love what we saw from Joey <laughs> in the, you know, month and a half, two month stretch that he put yeah. it up. Like 
He's a 30-year-old breakout. Yeah. Like, those do not tend to work out. There's, I'm sure there's like a handful of people that are now yelling at their their podcast or their or YouTube saying, well, what about fill in blank? But like, again, so rare that it happens. Um, if you want to take the upside shot, so be it. But like, I wouldn't want to count on him to be a my first baseman or even my corner infield yeah. in a, I, any kind I of shallow. Joey team. Menez when he was getting played by Kevin Costner in the movie, the rookie. <laughs> I don't like him <laughs> in reality. <laughs> uh, all right. Great. Okay, moving on. Uh, get a couple more of these small ones. Zach Eflin, he gets, I think the biggest free agent deal in, in Tampa Bay Rays <laughs> history. Is that right? That can't be right. It's right. It's actually, it's actually a hundred percent accurate. And also, infuriating <laughs> it's fun <laughs> so many people have been on the race combo, accurate and infuriating uh yeah Eflin you know I think Eflin I don't want to give the Rays credit for anything because uh they stink because <laughs> they're they're such cheap bastards but yeah I mean I don't mind Eflin because like his uh this is for deep leagues obviously not for shallower leagues but for deep leagues he has really great control. You could see him being like an 8K per 9, 1.7 uh, walk per 9, 3.6-ish ERA and having good value for what he is. Like you can see that happening for sure. Um, but yeah, he's more of a deep league guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not uh, putting a whole lot in here. I will say the Rays have this way of taking a pitcher, tweaking like their mechanics or teaching them like one pitch, and all of a sudden they become better pitchers. Um, So I'm not ruling that completely out, but uh, I'm not really overly excited about Zach Eflin. I I don't think uh, we've ever been overly excited about Zach Eflin. So um, I guess maybe the one family is not excited about him. (laughs) Uh, The one positive that I saw from last year when he came back and pitched like two, two like temporary games, basically at the end of the year, um, he basically ditched the four seamer. So there is a potential change in pitch mix that, could make his numbers not as gross. Again, not necessarily looking at it, and it's it's just a dart throw at the end of the draft. Right. Yeah, this, this is like um, a a Dan Carlin podcast, like a four hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> for us, this is actually not too bad, Gray. You know, as bad as uh, we've done before. <laughs> last last one here, and it's it's actually just a kind of a trade situation. Um, Colton Wong gets traded um, with. With uh, or goes to Seattle, Jesse Winker, Abraham Toro go to Milwaukee. Um, Teoscar Hernandez also going to Seattle in a separate thing. How are you feeling about these pieces moving around? Colton Wong, Teoscar Hernandez, somewhat useful last year. Jesse Winker, Abraham Toro, absolutely not <laughs> useful last year. Uh, is that changing this year because of the parks? You know, I think Teoscar, luckily for him, he's the kind of guy who could probably hit it out of anywhere. So I think he's going to be okay in Seattle. It's not a great park, obviously, but I think he'll be okay. Um, Kelton Wong, I think, probably actually takes a little bit of a hit on uh, fantasy value because he's gonna. he went from a place where 
they didn't really have anything at the top of the lineup uh, to now the Mariners have a pretty set top of the lineup. So unless there's an injury, Wong's going to bat like somewhere after like the six, ah, six like to six nine. to nine. Right. And that's not I mean, that's not really very good when you consider the Mariners back of the lineup is like Klelnik, who's going to hit <laughs> one twenty. Uh, Tom Murphy, who's going to hit 110, and J.P. Uh, Crawford, who's going to hit 110 foot uh, pop-ups. <laughs> so it's not—it's not a great bottom of the lineup. So uh, Kelton Wong is probably not in a great place, uh, and he could platoon with Dylan Moore too. So yeah, that's not really really that good for Wong. Um, on the other side, with uh, Jesse Winker. I, you know, I, I burned me once. Shame on you. Uh, they have a, a saying in Tennessee. At least I think it's in Tennessee. Uh, yeah, I think like Jesse <laughs> Winker is probably like 17 homer, 275, two, you know, like he, no speed whatsoever. In this is in Milwaukee, at least. Like he wasn't that, he wasn't this good last year, even. But even his upside, I don't know if Winker's upside is really going to be like that dramatically better than his like terrible year last year. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not in on Winker uh, unless he were to fall really late. In in reality, I think Winker is probably for like an RCL, like a 12-team mixed league. I could see picking up Winker off of waivers if someone drafts him and then drops him and he, and he gets, and he starts hitting, <laughs> but otherwise I just don't see Winker being on a lot of my teams. Uh, I just, I don't really have any faith in him. I think, you know, he's got, and his upside, like I said, his upside's like so boring. He's got no speed and his power is really kind of blah. And he's also a platoon guy at this point. So yeah, there's not, not a ton there for me. Yeah, and I know that people are saying, oh, he, he was the ballpark. That's what killed all his power. And to some extent, that's true. We, you know, we dropped him a lot in our, our rankings when he got traded because that was the definite possibility. But that wasn't it. Like, the exit velocity is the lowest of his career. The Hobero rate, low of his, lowest of, like, since he's been good. Hard hit rate, lowest of his career. Like, his numbers across the board were bad last year. Some of that may have been some of him, you know, him pressing, trying to lift the ball out a little bit more. But, like, that's still something that has to get addressed. Like, he would still have to get back to where he was in 2021 when we thought there was potential, you know, maybe there. Um, I will say I think if he can get back to, you know, the swing that he was at in 2021, there's potential for, like, 30 home runs if he gets to play every day. But you already mentioned he's probably not playing every day because he's not good. <laughs> And on both against both sides. So like, I think like you said, like 20, 25 home runs is the upside. And I really don't think the three Oh five he hit in 2021 is reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think probably like, uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's just so boring. He's a good guy to end this podcast on. Just a really super boring guy. That we have nothing to say about. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for Cody Bellinger to be an MVP on the card. That's going to be great. Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Cody Bellinger, he's a good guy to end on. So he's going to Wrigley, where his 
not a better park than Dodger Stadium. He's not uh, something really broke with Cody Bellinger. Like in his like something happened when he like forearm bashed in the playoffs and ruined his shoulder. Like something really got messed up with him. Like I I think Cody Bellinger honestly like if he wipes out so this sounds crazy, but if he wipes out with the Cubs, he could be out of baseball in like two, three years. Like he could, and he could be in Korea in three years, or or Japan playing like overseas or something. Like not, I didn't mean like selling vacuums. I mean like <laughs> you know, like he's like he's at a point in his career where like you know if, if he can't hit for the Cubs in the middle of a Cubs lineup when they don't really have anyone else to, like, replace them. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel bad because I, I actually really liked Cody Bellinger when he was with the Dodgers, but he needs, he needs to get it back and fast. Otherwise, like, there's nothing left. Actually, this is an even better place to end the podcast. There's nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's, uh, that's as good as we can do there. So... You know, when Cody Bellinger goes to Korea, bashes and comes back over, we can we can you know make that make that decision then. But yes, that that's going to conclude it for us. Thank you for think, sticking around. I know it was a longer podcast, a lot to get to though, obviously here in the winter meetings, and uh, we're probably also not going to be back for another month. So it'll give you time to listen through this whole hour and a half long show as well. If you have specific questions, or you want to talk about any any signings that have been made or are going to be made, you can always find us on Twitter. I am at RazBeaton. Gray is, of course, the at RazBall account. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash RazBallFantasy. The show gets released there first, so if you're one of the people who wants the news first, especially as we get into the season, go to YouTube, and it'll be there first. Uh, subscribe, listen, rate, review. That all helps us. Uh, thanks for listening. Great. I'll talk to you in uh, about a month when we get back together for some rankings discussion. All right,